With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live, presented by The Grid. I am Bryson Carver, as always, right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Again, today is not a live show. I am actually recording this like in the morning. It's like 7 o'clock right now when I'm recording, but lots to talk about today. Week 3 action, all kinds of stuff going on. Going to lead off with Tampa, Green Bay. What a crazy game that was, a defensive struggle. I'll also talk about another defensive struggle that wasn't quite as compelling, that would be the Niners and the Broncos last night. Uh, I don't know what the over-under was on that game. I did not check. What I do know is it was significantly under. <laughs> okay, 21 combined points as the Broncos beat the Niners 11-10. to 10. I'll talk about that. As well as Miami outlasting Buffalo. Dolphins stay undefeated. They're first in the AFC East. Bills suffer their first loss of the season. I've also got some thoughts on the whole Tua situation in regards to his injury. Also, did I need further confirmation? That more Dell Stephen Curry the second was the best player on the planet. No, I didn't, but I still got it. And it actually happened to come from the guy that many people say is the best player on the planet. That'd be one Giannis Antetokounmpo who said yesterday that Steph Curry is the best player in the world. I'll talk about that. And at the end of the show, I'll predict Cowboys Giants Monday night football to close out week three in the NFL. Giants win. They'll be tied for Philly or tied with Philly for top, top of the division. Dallas wins their game back at Philly. So this is a big, big NFC East matchup tonight in the Meadowlands. So I'll talk about that and predict that at the end of the show. But first, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the matchup between the two, no question, no doubt about it. Future first bout Hall of Famers, of course, that would be Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. The Packers survived the Bucs 14 to 12, and it was not the quarterback duel that we thought we might see. Although I can't say I'm completely shocked because Green Bay's receiving core is about as limited as it gets. And given Tampa Bay's injuries and suspensions, that being, of course, Mike Evans, Tampa Bay's receiving core wasn't all that great either. I mean, Russell Gage was Tom Brady's best receiver. You know, Alan Lazard and, and Romeo Dobbs were Aaron Rodgers' best receivers. So they're not exactly household names. Those a defensive battle throughout. Green Bay scored two touchdowns to start the game off. They did not score after eight minutes and 44 seconds left in the second quarter and still somehow managed to win the game. This goes back to what I said about the Packers coming into the game 
And I think moving forward, you guys know I didn't have the Packers as a playoff team this year because of their limitations at wide receiver and otherwise. But when you have a team that can run the football as effectively as Green Bay can, with the running back duo they have in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, when you have Aaron Rodgers who doesn't normally turn the football over, although he did that had that pick at midfield to Logan Ryan, Aaron's not going to turn the football over in part because he doesn't take a lot of shots down the field. That's always been one of my knocks against Aaron. But control the clock, get out to a lead, run the football, and play great defense. And that's what they did, even without Jair Alexander. Like this is, if you told me coming into Tampa Green Bay before the season started, hey, Green Bay's going to lose Jair Alexander in the first half. I'd be like, oh boy, this could be a long day for Green Bay. But again, Mike Evans gone. Chris Godwin gone. Julio Jones gone. I mean, it got so bad they had to sign Cole Beasley to their practice squad and promote him at the last second. So you got Russell Gage and Brashad Perriman both fumbled in the game. Cameron Brake, Kyle Rudolph caught a pass. Cole Beasley, again, not exactly household names that either quarterback is working with. But for Green Bay's side, this is how they can win. Running the football and play defense. It's not sexy. It's very old school, especially when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's won the last two MVPs. But that's their formula to win. They are not going to beat you in shutout in shootouts. Okay, because when, you know, when Green Bay plays Buffalo down the road or when they play the Rams, they are not going to win you know, 34 to 31. That's not the, how the Packers are going to have to win football games this year. But it was a good win for Green Bay on the road in Tampa Bay. As for the Buccaneers, let's start with the defensive side of the ball. Because that's, to me, obviously, the, the clear positive for Tampa. The Bucs might have the best defense in the NFL, folks. It's phenomenal. I thought even the secondary might be their weakness. No, it's actually one of their strengths. They take the ball away. They took it away against Dallas. They took it away against the Saints numerous times off Jameis Winston. And they got a turnover off the guy who never throws interceptions, Aaron Rodgers. Carlin, Carlin Davis played a good game. Again, Logan Ryan had the interception. Jamel Dean was good in stopping the run. And then up front, getting to the quarterback, pressure. Levante David, Devin White were everywhere, diagnosing everything. So I'm not concerned at all about Tampa's defense. As a matter of fact, and I've, I've been talking to some buddies of mine about this over the weekend, Tampa's defense might be better, better than it was in their Super Bowl winning season in 2020. I'm dead serious. Okay, against Dallas, they gave up three. Against the Saints, they gave up 10. Against the Packers, they gave up 14. The unfortunate thing for them is 14 was unfortunately a little too much in this game, despite, again, holding the Packers scoreless for the last two and a half quarters. Offensively, though, for Tampa, that's where I really want to get at. So Mike Evans gone, Godwin gone, Julio Jones gone. And then you have, obviously, in the, in the backfield, Leonard Fournette played okay. You look at his numbers yesterday, 12 carries for 35 yards, under three yards a clip. He's, he's fine. You know, the Packers defense, Rashawn, Gary, and company did a good job. Uh, Devontae Campbell, who played a good game, sniffing out the run, making sure Fournette didn't, you know, get any big holes to run through because we know Leonard Fournette is a physical runner. He's a big back. You know, he's got big legs. He's, he's going to drive through you, right? So being able to diagnose and stop the run. Here's the thing, though. And again, Green Bay did exactly what you have to do to beat Tom Brady. Okay? Jam his receivers a little bit and get pressure. We know Tom's the GOAT. Nobody's disputing that. 
but he is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league under pressure. Especially up the middle. You get pressure up the middle, he's really in trouble. Okay, you, you look at the game yesterday. Uh, Green Bay had, how many sacks Green Bay have? Gr- Green Bay, I think, had three sacks. I think I'm reading that right. Three sacks, yeah. But it felt like, it felt like they had five. Getting the backfield over and over and over on Tom Brady. And yet, despite that, Goat did what Goat does. 87-yard drive, end of the game, puts Tampa Bay in a position to score. They do. He throws a touchdown pass to Russell Gage. It was a great throw by Tom, fitting it through that tight window. And then the two-point conversion. They got a a simple run play. Fournette's going to just take the handoff out of the shotgun from Brady. Looks like he's going to punch it in easily, maybe even untouched. But Tampa commits, you know, Aaron Rodgers set up the game. He felt like they committed it back-to-back plays. I felt like it was just only the one. But Tampa Bay commits a delay of game, which forces them to have to go from it from the seven-yard line as opposed to the two. And Tom throws an incomplete pass to Russell Gage, and that's all she wrote, 14 to 12. But again, and I'm not going to, because I, I said the lie after the Saints game, something's up with Tom Brady, something's up with the Bucks offense. I'm not going to be as critical today because they played a great defense with their top three receivers down. Like I, I can't, I can't be brutal on on Tom or, or Todd Bowles or, or or anybody, considering what they had and didn't have more specifically offensively. Again, when when Russell Gage is your number one target, when and I like Russell Gage, you guys know I, I like the signing of him in the offseason. but I don't want him to be my number one go to guy. I don't want have to have to rely on Cole Beasley on third and twelve, or Cameron Brait to get me into position to score a touchdown and tie the game with this two-point conversion. And it doesn't get easier for Tampa, by the way. They got a home game next week, Sunday Night Football, but playing a pretty ticked-off Kansas City team after they just lost the Indianapolis Colts yesterday, 20-17. to So Kansas City's coming in. They just lost their first game. They're, Kansas City's going to be ready to go. Mind you, it's the Super Bowl rematch from two years ago in the stadium where the Super Bowl was played. So Kansas City's going to be ready to go. They're going to want to get revenge. It's probably the last matchup between Mahomes and Brady unless they meet in the Super Bowl. Like, it's tough sliding for Tampa from, from here on out. I mean, look at the Bucks' schedule. Again, I mentioned they have Kansas City next week. Uh, they got Atlanta. They'll beat Atlanta. Then they got at Pittsburgh. That's a tough defense. Again, get pressure on Tom. That's the best way to beat him. Okay, then at Carolina. Ravens at home. That's a sh- short week, a Thursday night football game. Uh, did you see, you see Lamar Jackson yesterday? Uh, again, I, th- I think that man's going to get his money. Okay, you got the Rams at home. Uh, then you got Seattle at Cleveland. Saints again. We know the Saints give Tampa all kinds of trouble. At the Niners, home against the Bengals, at the Cardinals. Then you finish with the Panthers and Falcons. So some pretty winnable division games in there. Again, they're obviously better than Atlanta and Carolina. But the Saints cause all kinds of matchup problems. We've seen that for years now. You got some great defensive lines in San Francisco and Pittsburgh and Baltimore. You got playmakers at quarterback like Baltimore or Arizona or the LA Rams or the Chiefs. Like this is this is not gonna be easy sledding for Tampa. But it's gonna be interesting to see where they go from there. Again, I'm, I'm sure everybody's in the comment section right now. I wish I could respond, but again, the show is not live. It's I'm recording this. It's it's about eight in the morning now. Uh, I have some uh some so, so, some things to uh to to do at night. In in, in other words, I gotta work. But Listen, it was a great day in the NFL yesterday. Week three, it was crazy. But before I even move to my next topic, I think it is worth mentioning. Sorry for the podcast audience, those listening. But uh, for the streaming audience, Facebook Live, Twitter, 
And in YouTube, I'm sure you can see I'm wearing the big orange and white power tee for Tennessee. Um, my ball, my balls just beat Florida on Saturday. Nail biter. Florida recovered an onside kick with 17 seconds left. Scared the living daylights out of me after we just had a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. But my man Hendo Cinco, Hendo, Hendon Hooker. Can we put him in the Heisman discussion, folks? Can we put Hendon Hooker in the Heisman discussion? Can we do that? Because he's looking phenomenal. Okay, became the first Tennessee quarterback since my man Josh Dobbs, Space Dobbs as I call him, because he's aerospace engineer major, very smart guy. First quarterback at Tennessee since Joshua Dobbs to throw for 300 and rush for 100. He threw for around 350, rushed for 112. He was phenomenal. Threw a couple touchdown passes. Uh, even without Tennessee's number one target, Cedric Tillman, Brew McCoy had a big game. He had a big gain on a, on a busted coverage by Florida. Jalen Hyatt was good. That Keaton kid made the catch of the weekend in college football, the diving catch on the 99-yard drive that set up Tennessee's uh, scoring drive at the end of the half and a lead that they would never give up from there. Jalen Wright and Jabari Small ran the football well. The only concern I have for my balls is defensively, they like to play sort of a zone scheme. Anthony Richardson, who we know is not a great throw of the football at Florida, consistently over and over and over found the hole in that zone for Tennessee. It, it didn't matter if it was third and four or third and 14. So Tennessee's defense was not great on third down. They weren't good at all on fourth down. They only stopped Florida once on fourth down. So that's going to be something I'll have to clean up, but it's a bye week. We got at LSU and then the real test, home against the Alabama Crimson Tide. So that's, that's listen, Alabama will and should be favored in that game. I want to be very clear by that. But Tennessee can beat Alabama. It's the highest Tennessee has ever been ranked in the AP Top 25 since the College Football Hall of Fame head coach, Philip Fulmer, was in town and running the show. The number eight ranked team in America should be seven, in my opinion. USC should have moved back, but that's neither here nor there. But let's go, Vols. Great win over Florida. Enjoy the bye week. And then it's on to the fake Southerner from Baton Rouge, that being Brian Kelly, of course. All right. Moving on now. Excuse me. Moving on now to Miami Buffalo. Whew. <laughs> that was something. <laughs> that game had everything. You had. Great quarterback play. You had uh, uh, you had turnovers. You had butt punts. You had offensive coordinators losing their you-know-what after the game. It was crazy. And you had a controversial injury, which I will discuss later after I talk about the game. But as for the game, you got two 2-0 AFC East teams. Bills, who are the, seem like today, they're, at least yesterday, they were the odds-on favorites to come out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. And the Miami Dolphins, who are just coming, who were just coming off a massive comeback to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Miami's at home. It's 90 degrees. It is humid as it can get. I mean, the way Hard Rock Stadium is, is built, Miami, their sideline is shaded, so they don't have to worry about it. Buffalo's sideline, they had to get some team staffers to hold umbrellas over the players on the bench because it was so hot. So it was, it was a humid day in Miami. It was a hot day. And it was a crazy game that came down literally to the last play. And Miami won 21-19. to 19. Let me start with Buffalo first. Um, certainly not their most impressive offensive performance considering they put 31 up on the champs. And they put 41 up on Tennessee last week on Monday Night Football. 
And this is, I think, their first loss in Miami in, gosh, it's been, what, six, seven years? I think I heard Kevin Harlan, the great Kevin Harlan, who called the game yesterday. I think he said it's been six or seven years, if I'm not mistaken, since Buffalo has lost to Miami in Miami. So they sort of had, like, the the Jaguars over Colts sort of uh, curse, if you will, in Miami. But Josh Allen still played exceptionally, in my view, despite the early turnover. Man threw for 400 yards, okay, two touchdowns, had a QBR of 60 and a passer rating of 94. Uh, you don't want, if you're Buffalo, for Josh Allen to have to throw the football uh, 63 times. That is that is not preferred. But if you're Buffalo, you have over 500 yards of offense. I mean, tell me if you've ever heard this before. 500 yards of offense, and you don't break 20. I've never heard of that before. Now, again, they had some drives stall. Again, at the their second-to-last drive, they had a fourth and goal. Josh Allen skipped it to the right corner of the end zone. He threw it short. Uh, I'm not sure. Again, he's got the best arm in the league. Maybe he would have been able to fit it in there. But Buffalo, that great drive, they came up short on fourth and goal before the butt punt, of course. But I think if you're Buffalo, your thing at this point has got to be, we got to finish. Not just finish the game, execute well. We got to finish drives. Okay, because... We practically gave Miami seven points with the strip sack that Miami took on a short field and scored a touchdown on. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our quarterback threw for 400. We ran for over 100 combined. Like, that. that's a game that we have to win. Isaiah McKenzie looked good. You know, you had some plays here and there from Stephon Diggs. He had that big gain early in the game. So it's just about cleaning up the little things for Buffalo. I'm not concerned about the Bills. I know a lot of people are a little bit in panic mode over the Bills. You had to lose your game first game at some point. Okay, contrary to what some people in the media might have believed, Buffalo was not going 17-0 this season. Okay, uh, they, they weren't. But what we do know is this. They got to finish drives. And this is a well-coached team. Sean McDermott, Ken Dorsey, who we saw going ballistic in the booth after the game. Uh, shout, shout out to the to, to whoever covered the camera up after about five seconds of, of, of just going crazy, throwing his papers, throwing his notes everywhere. Uh, shout out to, the, to whoever covered up the camera because you could see someone just put their hand over it. But it's a well-coached team. They have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, one of the best offenses in the NFL, one of the best defenses in the NFL, who – as I shift to Miami, the Dolphins took advantage of. Buffalo had two defensive rookies in their secondary. Jordan Poyer was out. Micah Hyde was out and is going to be out for the season, unfortunately. Prayers to him for a speedy recovery. And Tredavious White, their Pro Bowl corner, was out. So for Miami, this is Baltimore all over again. You got two rookies in the secondary. Their three best players in the secondary are all out due to injury. Poyer, Hyde, and White. And to the Dolphins' credit, for the most part, they took advantage. They took advantage of the turnover forced by the Dolphins. Melvin Ingram, of course, recovered. And I'll give Tua credit on this. You guys know I'm not high on Tua. I'm starting to have a little problem with his fans more than I am him. But he delivered the throw. 
Third and 22, deliver the throw down the field to Jalen Waddell. It's it it perfect the way the defense had it set up. Made the pass down the field, capped off by a touchdown. Again, that was a lead that the Dolphins never relinquished. So credit to Tua there. I, I give credit where credit's due. And you look at Tua's numbers yesterday. Okay, he went uh, 13 for 18 for a buck 86, a touchdown. QBR of 79, pass rating of 123. So in in the time that 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 Mike McDaniel gave him to, to throw the football, again, only 18 passes. But again, he was hurt at the end of the first half. We'll talk about that in just a second. He did his job. Can't criticize the dude for doing his job. Okay, last week, people got on me saying I was too critical about the six-touchdown game. I'm like, look, name more than two good throws he made. The Waddle game-winning touchdown was not a good throw. This, the Tyreek Hill, the last Tyreek Hill touchdown, Tyreek was open by 10 yards. I would hope you could deliver that throw. Again, I said last week, if Tua couldn't hit the receivers last week, Tua should not be in the National Football League. Simple as that. Okay, so I, I give him more credit for this game than the last game. Because in this game, I saw Tua make the throw to Jalen Waddell that set up what ended up basically being the game-winning touchdown for Miami. Like, that was a big boy, step up in the pocket, third and a mile, and delivering it perfectly to your receiver. That, that is what I've been wanting to see from Tua. Again, let's see if he can continue it. Right, if if you look just by just at the numbers, okay, he he outdueled Josh Allen again. Josh Allen is obviously the better quarterback, and I think Buffalo is the better team in the long run. But credits to Tua where it's due. Speaking of Tua, Miami's in some trouble. Miami's in trouble because I gotta get a drink of water for this one. Because late in the first half. One, two, it's Angavailoa gets hit, falls down, and his back of his head slams on the turf. Now, we know that is never a good sight when you see a quarterback go, if any, anybody go down, and they, they land butt first, and then their head kind of just like whiplashes almost backwards, and then boom, hits the turf real hard. And we see Tua get up. He's kind of walking gingerly, and then he stumbles. And I always said, I remember what this happened to Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game two years ago against the Cleveland Browns. Like Patrick Mahomes ran like a little quarterback option to like the right, got tackled, got up, and then stumbled down. And he didn't play for the rest of the game. And I've always said, if you see a dude stumble, me, I don't care if he's Tom Brady. I'm not letting him back in the game. I, I am I am not putting my dude in harm's way. We know, if, listen, leg injuries, ankle, uh, shoulder you you can fight through those. It's hard, or even rib injuries like Justin Herbert. It's hard, but you you can find a way to fight through them. Head injuries are no joke. You and I both know that. And so a report came out about an hour and a half after the game that the NFLPA was going to investigate it, which I don't blame. It's the players' association that want to keep their guys safe, and so the Miami Dolphins are just married to shady business, apparently. Because you have the Flores firing, you have the Tom Brady thing from a couple of years ago, and now you have this. Putting your quarterback in harm's way. Again, Mike McDaniel tried to say after the game it was a back injury. I'm sorry. I've never seen somebody stumble and go, who, like, try, you, you see Tua, he's kind of like shaking his head like real quickly, trying to shake the cobwebs out. That's not a back injury. Tua might have hurt his back. He was not stumbling because his back tightened up. 
I promise you that. I've seen, you know, I've seen Tony Romo suffer a lot of back injuries. He never stumbled and shook, trying to shake the cobwebs out. So I'm, I don't care what anybody says, Tua played that game with a concussion. So it's going to be really interesting to see once the investigation comes out, once the facts come out about what happened in regard to the concussion protocol. Because I'm sorry, that man should not have finished that football game. I know Teddy Bridgewater came in, went 0 for 2. Teddy Bridgewater should have finished that football game for the Miami Dolphins. Because that, that is dangerous to put. If, if that is the guy that you are putting everything into, you've surrounded him with all these targets, right? You, you obviously you drafted Jalen Waddle last year, and you added Tyree Kill and all these weapons and defense. You hired an offensive coach. Okay, that's fine. You've got him on the field. But you've got to have him on the, gotta have him on the field in the long run. If they had lost this game, no biggie. No, nobody's panicking Miami. They're two and one. They're game back in first place in the division. They'd be fine. Okay. They'd be playing a Cincinnati Bengals team who, you know, their only one came against the New York Jets. Okay. You can win that game. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's a home game for Miami. I'm, no, I'm sorry. It's a road game in Cincinnati. Okay. They can win that game. They can go to Cincinnati, beat the Bengals. Of course. Think about the long run, not the here and now. Yes. You might've won yesterday, but it could cost you on Thursday night. And it could cost you possibly beyond that. So I don't care what anybody says, and I think I'm in the majority when I say this, Tua Tungavailoa should not have finished the game yesterday. That is a dangerous move by the Miami Dolphins to put him in that position. And I, I, I'm sorry, like, because if I'm the NFL, I'm calling the Dolphins, I'm calling, well, Stephen Ross, the owner, is suspended because of his shady business with Tom Brady and, and firing Brian Flores. But... I'm calling some one of the higher ups in the Dolphins organization say you will not put Tua back in the game or there will be punishment from the league. There is no way that I'm letting him go back out there. And again, to his credit, like I said, he delivered that big throw on third and 22. But man, that was risky. You, you don't put your court, you don't put anybody in harm's way when they suffer that kind of injury. You don't put your quarterback, especially in that position. Dangerous move. And once again, shady business, once again by the Miami Dolphins. That said, good win over Buffalo. No question about it. Again, late in the game, you had the, the now infamous butt punt. So now Mark Sanchez is off the hook. All right, he, everybody knows about the butt fumble. Uh, Thomas Morstead, for those of you who didn't see it, Thomas Morstead, the Dolphins punter, he's backed up in his own end zone. He takes a snap, he punts, and it goes off. One of the Miami Dolphins literally goes right off of their butt backwards out of the end zone for a safety. It was crazy. And, and to the Dolphins' defense credit, it looks like Buffalo was driving, but the Miami defense, they, they got a holding call on the on the Bills. But Miami's defense made the plays they needed to. I thought watching it live, I'm sure, I'm sure the Bills Mafia will agree with me on this one. I don't think Dolphins fans will. But it felt like on that last play of the game, when Josh Allen made that fantastic play to get out of pressure, get the ball to Isaiah McKenzie. McKenzie couldn't get out of bounds. The Buffalo's hustling the line to get a playoff. This is just me. It felt like the ref took too, too long to get to the line. Like, it, it felt like the ref had the ball, and he was just kind of jogging and not sprinting. Get the ball to the line, spot it, and see if the Bills can run one more play. Like, if, if, it felt like that took a little too, too much time because Isaiah McKenzie gets tackled near the sideline, and I'm, I look at the clock, and there's nine seconds. McKenzie gets up, hands the ball to the ref. Obviously, it's a lot of commotion. All the Bills are trying to get in position to run one more play, and it felt like the ref took a little too much time to get the ball downed 
so the Bills could get last. But that's just my opinion. But I don't I don't think I I don't follow the Buffalo media too much. I don't think any of the Bills players uh said anything about it after the game, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But the game last night, <laughs> I I gotta say this. Game of the year, in my opinion. Game of the year. The Denver Broncos outlasted the San Francisco 49ers by a whopping final score of 11 to 10. Okay, I'm just kidding. It was the worst, one of the most boring games I've ever watched. Certainly one of the most boring Sunday night games I've ever watched. It's actually the only the second 11 to 10 final score in NFL history. I don't know what the first one was, but I heard Mike Tirico, the announcer for Sunday night football, say after the game, it was the second 11 to 10 score. It, it, it was in a similar sense, not as much as the game I just talked about, but it felt like it had everything as well. Okay, you had, I, I talked about Thomas Morstead with the butt punt, let Mark Sanchez off the hook. Jimmy Garoppolo let Dan Orlovsky off the hook. Everybody remembers the Dan Orlovsky. If I'm not mistaken, that might have been the 0-16 Lions, the only, or sorry, one of two 0-16 teams in NFL history where Orlovsky's in his own end zone. He's running to his right, and he literally runs out of the end zone. Not even close, not even touched by a Minnesota Viking, and it's a safety. It's one of the most embarrassing plays in NFL history. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo basically did the same thing because he's backing up. He has no presence or no awareness of where he's at and run, just runs out of the back of the end zone for two free points for Denver. He's not even touched by a Bronco. It's like, it, it, it's bad, but I'll talk about Jimmy G in just a second. Um, but let me see, did, did they have what the over under was for this game? I think they do on ESPN. <laughs> the, the over under was 45. Yeah. They didn't get to half, half of that. They got to 21. That was, yeah, it was bad. And again, Niners were favored minus five and a half, or sorry, minus one and a half. I picked Denver and, and won by the skin of my teeth. But let's talk about the Broncos for just a second. Because for the first three and a half quarters, that was about as bad of an offensive performance and as bad of an offensive game plan and as bad as an off, of, an off, of an offensive execution as I've seen. They looked disorganized, discombobulated, at times disinterested, undisciplined. It was bad. And you see why we saw the report on Saturday. We saw why the head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, literally hired somebody to be his game manager. Because we saw against Seattle, he, he was in over his head. We saw against Houston, he was in over his head. It got so bad in Houston, or not in Houston, against Houston. The game was in Denver, where when the plate, because they had so many delay of games, when the play clock went to 5-4-3, the crowd in Denver would go 5-4-3. They'd be helping their coach out. Okay, 60, 70,000, however many people are in that stadium at, at mile high are trying to help their head coach with the play clock. That's how bad it got. Um, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But the last drive was fantastic. I mean, you look at the last drive for, for the Denver Broncos. Again, last drive is technically a kneel down, but I'm talking about the game-winning drive. Okay, 12 plays, 80 yards, took six minutes off the clock. 
that, and I tweeted after the game, that looked like Russell Wilson. That looked like what I thought Russell Wilson would be in Denver. It's like for the first time this season, we saw that vintage Russ. He's running around, moving outside the pocket. All right, he's got these, you know, these little dump off pass. He's got some big throws over the middle to, to, to Sutton, make a place. He even threw a pass to Kendall Hinton. And for those who don't know who Kendall Hinton is, he started a game. He's a wide receiver. He started a game at quarterback two years ago during the COVID year when all the Broncos quarterbacks contracted COVID. So they had a wide receiver start from the quarterback, and it was a long day for Denver. So he caught a big pass. Russell was big on that last drive, capped off by a Melvin Gordon touchdown. So that was a big-time last drive, game-winning drive by the Denver Broncos. If we can see that moving forward, yeah, my preseason pick to not get to, but win the Super Bowl, sure, they're still alive. I'm just worried about Nathaniel Hackett. That's my concern. I'm not worried about Russell Wilson. He's, he's phenomenal. I'm not worried about that. You see the talent those Broncos receivers had? Cortland Sutton had a big game. Uh, how, how many receiving yards Cortland Sutton have? What do you have? Trying to find it. Yeah, he had 97 yards on eight catches. Cortland Sutton was great yesterday. Again, Russell threw for a buck 84. Only had a QBR of 32 and a passer rating right down the middle of 75. But all in all, it's a great last drive. If you can take that and move forward with that same confidence, that same level of execution moving forward, not putting yourself back with holding penalties or or not being able to tech, protect Russell Wilson against this den or sorry against that Niners defensive line. Denver can win it all because we saw that defense. Okay, the one thing that's been constant for the Denver Broncos, just like they're in the conversation with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I just said earlier in the show, Tampa Bay's got the best uh, defense in the NFL. Denver's given Denver's given them a run for their money. Because they gave up 17 against Seattle, 9 against Houston, and 10 against the 49ers. Now, none of those are world-beating offenses, but it's still something. It is still something when your season-high point total given up is 17. That means something through three games. You look at Denver's schedule moving forward. They got a big game against now the 0-3 Raiders next week. I think Denver should probably be favored to win that. Then they got Colts, who got a big win yesterday, at Chargers, Jets, Jaguars, Titans, Raiders, Panthers, Ravens, Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, Chiefs, Chargers. So, again, it's it's kind of murderer's row on the schedule. It is the AFC West, after all. But you know what the Denver Broncos are for all their issues? For all the, the, the blown assignments by the offensive line, for all of, for the ineptitude offensively of Nathaniel Hackett. You look up today, they're tied for first in the division. They're two games up on the Raiders, a game up on the Chargers. They're tied with Kansas City. It's three games in. I believe in Russell Wilson. You guys know I believe in Russell Wilson. And I believe in the Broncos moving forward. Maybe it's, maybe it's just simply because of the outcome or how it looked that last drive. But when the money's on the line, Russell did what Russell does. And Denver came through. I gotta give gotta give credit where credit's due. Moving on though to San Francisco. There's a lot of Jimmy G fans out there. Okay, Jimmy G fans are almost as annoying, almost as annoying as Tua fans. But at least two is three and oh. Can we please? I'm begging. I'm I'm 
begging all of you, especially Jimmy G fans, can we please put the notion to bed that Jimmy Garoppolo led the 49ers to the Super Bowl a few years ago and that a season ago he led the 49ers to the NFC Championship game? Can we please put that to bed? I'm begging you guys. He is the very definition, the very definition of an average quarterback. I still think, I still think Jimmy G is a starting quarterback in the NFL. No question about it. Okay, before Trey Lance went down, Jimmy G was far and away the best backup in the league. But when you have to count on him to make those big throws, mm-mm, that is not, not his forte, not his strength. The thing with Jimmy Garoppolo that's interesting because I, I tweeted last night, I feel like he's a a better version of Baker Mayfield. I'd take Jimmy Garoppolo over Baker Mayfield any day of the week. But today, a lesser version of Ryan Tannehill. Like, that's that's what he feels like today. Hey, Ryan Tannehill, if I'm not mistaken, Ryan Tannehill may have made, a, may have made a Pro Bowl. Jimmy G sure hasn't. Can I put up, put up his playoff numbers once again to sort of drive home? I've done this before. I hate to beat up on Jimmy G, but can I put up his playoff numbers? People say he's led the 49ers to the Super Bowl and to the NFC Championship game last season. Does that look like leading to you? 160 yards a game, four touchdowns, six picks. Completion percentage under 65 and a, and a below average passer rating. Does that, does, that, does that look good to you? And uh, I won't even list it today, but if you really want to know how, how good Jimmy G is, look at his fourth, fourth quarter passer rating in the playoffs. It's not very good. He is an average quarterback. You look at his, his numbers last night. And Denver's got a great defense. I, I We knew before the season, Denver's got a tremendous defense. But I don't think they're good enough to hold a guy to a QBR of 14. You've got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, a great running game, a great offensive line, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, and you score 10 points. With Kyle Shanahan as your offensive play caller. He's an average quarterback, guys. People forget. I think it's worth mentioning. When the Niners were going to go with Trey Lance for this season, Trey's our guy. Remember Kyle Shanahan said Trey's our guy? And they had Jimmy Garoppolo in the trade market. Guess who lined up to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Nobody. That's why he's still a 49er today. Nobody wanted to trade for Jimmy G. That tells, it's just like in Cleveland, outside of the Panthers, nobody wanted to trade for Baker Mayfield. And why was Trey Lance even a 49er? Look, just like I tweeted last night, put it all over social. I don't know how good Trey Lance is going to be. You guys know I loved him out of the draft. Not as high on him now. Problem is we don't really know. He's barely been on the field. Be that as it may, however good or bad Trey Lance may or may not be, are we seeing now why the 49ers traded all those first-round picks to move up to get to get the third overall pick to take Trey Lance despite having Jimmy G in the building? See, see why they did that? He's average. He's not going to take you to the promised land. 
If last night, folks, was ever an example of how important having a franchise quarterback is, you got two squads in Denver and the 49ers. Immensely talented, offensively and defensively. Difference is, one guy has Kyle Shanahan. The other guy has Nathaniel Hackett. Guess who won the game? Guess who led that last drive? Jimmy G had two chances. Couldn't get it done. You say, well, that last drive, the running back fumbled after Jimmy G got sacked at his own two-yard line. Put him in bad position. He doesn't move well in the pocket. He's got an average arm at best. He, Folks, the 49ers probably should have scored 30 last night. Jimmy Garoppolo had Debo Samuel wide open twice. Back-to-back drives. Debo Samuel is going to walk in the end zone. Okay, the first one, Debo Samuel just runs a go route on the right side. I mean, there's not a there's not a Bronco within 10 yards of him. He is wide open, and Jimmy G doesn't even look his way. He is he's the classic one-read quarterback, which in year nine, that shouldn't be the case, but it is. He is he he looks his first read, and that's where he's going. He predetermines I am throwing the football here. Does that more than any quarterback that I've seen, certainly any great quarterback I've seen in the league. And then the second drive, Debo, Debo Samuel again, wide open down the left sideline. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to get about 60 yards and put him in position to score a touchdown. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jimmy G's got him wide open and badly underthrows him. Debo Samuel has to stop mid-route and almost like fair catch, just wait for it to fall in his hands before Bronco tackles him on the sideline. And you did you see Debo's reaction? He got up and just kind of had a big grin like, golly, if he just hit me, if he just hit me on the run, I just scored. It's two, twice now. It's kind of like that, 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 you know, laugh or smile so you don't cry type of thing. <laughs> like that's, that's what it felt like from Debo Samuel. That's why the 49ers traded all those first rounders to get the third pick last year. Because despite the fact that you think Jimmy G can win a Super Bowl with them, With that talented roster, not even they do. I don't know if Trey Lance is the guy. Today, doesn't look like it. But I know he's not the guy. Come on. Pull the Dan Orlovsky running out of the back of his own end zone without even knowing where he is, literally taking two points and gifting them to the Broncos. And guess what? That safety ended up being the difference in the football game. Broncos one by one, safety two points. That was, that's the difference in the game right there. One play. He missed Debo Samuel twice. He was completely immobile in the pocket. He is an average quarterback. I think the Niners are going to make the playoffs. They're one and two. No need to panic. Next week, the Niners got the Rams. Okay, so maybe there's a little time to panic, okay? But listen, Kyle Shanahan's won six of his last seven matchups against Sean McVay. And, and the Niners at home. Who's to say the Niners can't win that game? That's Monday Night Football next week. That'll be a great one. 
Okay, and then after that, you got Panthers, Falcons. They should win both those games. Then you got a Super Bowl rematch against Kansas City, uh, but that game is in San Francisco at Rams, Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins. Then he finished with Tampa, Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders, Cardinals. So again, pretty tough schedule moving forward. But you should be able to win enough of those games to get yourself in the playoffs. You, you, you should. Niners get in the playoffs. But again, I will put up, let me go and put up the numbers again, the playoff numbers from Jimmy Garoppolo. There they are. Okay. 160 yards a game, four touchdowns, six picks, 61% completion, 74.1 passer rating. But he has a record of four and two. And that's what everybody points out. Always won 70% of his games, although that changed last night. Now he's won under 70% of his games. He's got a winning record in the playoffs. Yeah. Have you checked the 49ers? Rushing stats in those games? Have you checked Jimmy G's stats in those games? I mean, barely threw the ball against the Vikings. Really, Jimmy G's best playoff game was his first playoff win against the Minnesota Vikings a few years ago. Played pretty well in that game. NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. You know how many passes he threw? He threw seven more than you and I did. And then this, this past playoff run. Niners got the game in the bag against the Dallas Cowboys. They're up 23 to 10, seven minutes to go. They're running the football right down Dallas's throat. Dallas is committing stupid penalty after stupid penalty. And what does right on cue? I swear to you, I'm watching the game with my sister who's a big Packer fan. I said, Jimmy G's going to give us the ball back. Jimmy G's going to make a mistake. Right on cue, throws a pick, rolling out to his right, badly overthrows the receiver, throws a pick to Anthony Brown. And the 49ers win that game by the skin of their teeth. Then the next game against the Packers. The game that they say, oh, we outdueled Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers was garbage in that game. He wasn't as bad as Jimmy. Just because Jimmy won the game, didn't he outplayed him? Yeah, he had one nice drive. But the special teams score more touchdowns than the offense. The special teams on a blocked punt with three minutes left in the game Scored the only touchdown. Jimmy G threw a bad red zone interception. He was off all night. And then in the NFC Championship game, we all know what happened. Niners got a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter over the Rams. It's Super Bowl 54 all over again against Kansas City. Everybody blamed the Niners' defense. Everybody blamed that Tart kid who dropped the interception. Well, Rams scored to make it a three-point game. Jimmy Garoppolo got the ball back. Oh, and he did nothing. Rams go down the field, kick the tying field goal. Niners get the ball back. Jimmy G gets the ball back. They do nothing. And then the Rams kick the field goal to take the lead with two minutes left. Niners get the ball back. And Jimmy G throws the game-ending interception. He's an average quarterback, folks. He's a starter. But he is an average quarterback on a tremendous roster with a tremendous coaching staff. You, you mean to tell me your defense gives up? The defense gave up nine points because Jimmy G gave the Broncos two. Defense gave up nine points. Jimmy G gave up two because of the safety. And you can't win that football game against a Broncos offense that looks about as bad as one could look. You got to win that game. You got to win that game if you're the 49ers. But again, it goes back to what I've always said about Jimmy G. If you have to rely on him to win a game, if, if he has to be the biggest reason you're going to win a game, then you're not going to win the game. It's as simple as that. He's not in that group of great quarterbacks. I'm not even sure... Actually, I'm pretty confident he's not a franchise quarterback. He's not. 
Yeah, I think a lot of quarterbacks would win 70% of their games, given what San Francisco has. Kyle Shanahan and those weapons and that defense? Gosh, I'd sure hope so. I'd hope you could get to at least one Super Bowl. But, listen, again, there's a quarterback in Dallas that the owner doesn't want. I'm just saying, San Francisco, don't, don't dismiss the idea. All right, so sort of give a rundown of the games before I move on to an NBA topic before I get to Cowboys-Giants predictions. Uh, Bears beat the Texans, won a walk-off field goal. Justin Fields struggled throughout the day. He only went 8 for 17 for 106, two picks, passer rating of 27, QBR of 19. Uh, It was a long day, but the Bears' rushing attack was unbelievable. Okay, you had that Herbert kid who's really good, not Justin Herbert, Okay, not Justin Herbert, but uh, Khalil Herbert, who ran for a, a buck fifty-seven on twenty carries, averaged eight yards a carry, had two touchdowns, uh, had a long run of, of fifty-two yards. With Bears overall ran for two hundred eighty-one yards on the Houston Texans. Uh, Davis Mills was eh, fine. He threw for two forty-five, touchdown, two picks, QBR of nineteen, pass rating of seventy, a little under average in that regard. But uh, the Texans came back. Bears opened out with a big lead. Texans came back, but ultimately Chicago won on a game-winning field goal. And today, folks, Chicago Bears are tied for the first in the division in a three-way tie with the Vikings and with the Packers. So, hey, listen, never know. Bears might win the division. No, I'm just kidding. They're not winning the division. Titans outlasted the Raiders. The Raiders are now the only winless team in the NFL. They're now 0-3. Um, <laughs> looks like I was right about the Josh McDaniels hiring, folks. He's, he's in over his skis. Um, the Raiders committed bad penalties. Red zone execution was awful. Okay, the, the two-point conversion play, I'm not really sure what the call was. Derek Carr did all he could do. Derek Carr delivered the throw of the game on that fourth and 15. Who, who did he throw the ball to? Who, who, what was that kid's name? Matt Collins, who, by the way, had a big game. He had eight catches for a buck 58 and a touchdown. Matt Collins had that big catch on that fourth and 15 throw from Derek Carr. But, again, bad execution by the Raiders, bad penalties. But if you're the Tennessee Titans, Tennessee is really struggling to close games. They couldn't close out the Giants on that last drive, and then Randy Bullock missed the walk-off field goal at the gun, and the Giants won that game in Nashville. They got smoked last week against Buffalo, and then yesterday. I mean, the Raiders are saying, here you go. Here you go. No mas. We're apparently cool with being 0-3. The Titans couldn't finish them off up until the very bitter end. But the Titans were able to get that win. They're one and two. Uh, their division rival Colts got a big upset win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Huge win for the Colts, who are now one, one, and one. A win, a tie, and a loss. And or really, the way it goes, a win, a loss, and a tie. Uh, Kansas City committed some really, really brutal penalties down the stretch. It reminds, again, that's always been the knock against Andy Reid. Love Andy Reid. Love him. The man, his teams commit really inopportune penalties. You know, when you talk about his days in Philly with the Chiefs, think about a lot of Andy Reid's playoff losses in Kansas City. They've all come on, you know, bad penalties. Again, that Super Bowl loss to Tampa Bay. It's like you can't you can't put yourself in that position. Kansas City lost. They go to Tampa next week for the possibly the final matchup between Mahomes and Brady. But it was a big win for the Colts. Matt Ryan led a game when he drives, so big win for them. I've already talked about Bills Dolphins. Uh, Vikings-Lions, I told you that was going to be closer than Vegas expected. I could not believe that Vegas had the Vikings as a, a six-point favorite. And you guys know I really like Minnesota. I think they're going to win a playoff game this year. I think they're going to win the NFC North. But Detroit can score with anybody. But again, 
I don't think they're a well-coached team. I know everybody likes Dan Campbell. I like Dan Campbell. Who, I mean, who wouldn't want to play for that guy? Who wouldn't? But, and I'm not going to play the soundbite today. No biting ankles today. Or kneecaps, I'm sorry. But late in games, execution down the stretch. Again, what do you do to close out football games against really good teams? That's where I worry about Detroit. Minnesota came out with it at the end. Game-winning drive with 40-some seconds left. And they win the game at home. Uh, you had the Ravens beating the Patriots. That was Bryson's bleak bet, and for good reason. Uh, Lamar Jackson was absolutely spectacular, okay? He had five total touchdowns. He threw for four, ran for one, 200 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, QBR of 84, pass rating of 110. Uh, Mac Jones played decent, um, although up until he had the, the three interceptions, um, he was fine. But more, more concerning for the Patriots is that he left with a pretty serious-looking ankle injury. I think they said it's a high ankle sprain. That he's going to miss a few games, so we hope he, he recovers quickly. Bengals got a big 27-12 to win over the Jets. That was my If I Were a Batman segment. And thankfully, if I were a Batman, I would have won some money there because the Bengals you know, cover the spread easily over the Jets. Joe Burrow played well. T. Higgins had some great plays. Um, Quentin Williams was, was pretty frustrated on the sideline for good reason. Big win for the Bengals. Eagles beat the Commanders 24-8. to The Kobe Bryant score. That is crazy. Kobe was an Eagles fan, a diehard Eagles fan. That was the second 24-8 score in NFL history. Like, you can't make this stuff up. So, big win for the Eagles. They beat their former quarterback, Carson Wentz. They sacked him six times in the first half. They were just, I mean, there was at one point in the game where Jalen Hurts had thrown for 332 yards and the Commanders had thrown for negative one. It was a long day for Washington. Uh, big win for the Eagles. Panthers outlasted the Saints in the running game. Uh, they outlasted the Saints 22-14. to Running game was good. They had that big breakout play to Chenault. Okay, Baker Mayfield was shaky at best, but Jameis Winston was even worse. But a big win for the Panthers, their first of the year. Jags mollywopped the L.A. Chargers 38-10. I told you I was worried about Justin Herbert's health. What is Brandon Saley? What are you doing keeping him in the game? He's beat up. You're down four touchdowns with four minutes left. The game is over. Take your quarterback out of the game. And Justin Herbert's trying to excuse it after the game. He's saying, well, I just wanted to tough it out. Play. No. He had to get injections in his rib before the game. Get him out of there. A lot of people don't think he should have played to begin with. So when the game is over, pull him. You don't need him aggravating it even worse. But as for Jacksonville, Justin Herbert looked absolutely... I'm Justin Herbert. Um... Trevor Lawrence looked every bit like the number one pick that he was a year ago. And now Doug Peterson, congrats to him. He is now tied with Urban Meyer, fifth all-time in Jaguars wins. So big shout-out, Doug Peterson, coaching only three games as a Jaguars coach. He's already fifth all-time in wins. Uh, Falcons beat the Seahawks 27-23. to uh, That Drake London kid that they drafted, man, <laughs> that kid is going to be really, really good. Uh, made some big plays. DK Metcalf had a great catch, but the Falcons outlasted the Seahawks. Uh, Rams beat the Cardinals 20-12. to Cooper Cup had that reverse for a touchdown. Man, I'll tell you, Cam Akers going to be back in the doghouse. Two cannot hang on to the football. I don't know what's going on with this dude. He had that big goal line fumble that kept Arizona in it. Like, man, he's got a bad case of the fumbleitis because he, he, he has had a really rough time hanging on the ball. But the Rams beat the Cardinals 20-12. to 12. Uh, the, the Cardinals have only beaten the Rams once since Sean McVay took over as the head coach. Uh, so, great day of football yesterday, but let's shift to a little bit of basketball, which I didn't think I'd be doing in September, but hey, that's what I love about 
well about sports. But two teams had their media day yesterday, and that would be my Golden State Warriors, your defending, reigning 2022 NBA champions, and the Milwaukee Bucks, who were the 2021 NBA champions. So the last two NBA champions had their media day today. And they were talking to Giannis. Now, many folks say that Giannis is, is the best player in the world. And I said up until the finals, yeah, nobody impacts the game offensively and defensively more than Giannis does. But with that being said, you guys know, ain't nobody has an impact on the game as a whole more than one more Dale Stephen Curry the second. And apparently, Giannis himself agrees. He said, and I quote, Do I believe I'm the best player in the world? No. I believe the best player in the world is Steph Curry until the next player. And Giannis went on to explain about how he believes the best player in the world is the last man standing. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily always the case. Because a lot of people said in 2019 that Kawhi was the best player in the world when I would have taken KD over him, LeBron over him, and Steph over him. Okay, LeBron sort of... Uh, reestablished himself as the best player in the world by winning with the Lakers in 2020. But I felt like Giannis took that from him the way he dominated the Phoenix Suns in the finals in 2021. But going out in the second round against the Boston Celtics, albeit without Chris Middleton, I felt like Steph wrestled that title away from Giannis the way he dominated the best defense in basketball, the Boston Celtics. And they, by the way, they actually told Steph about it after the game. Um... Uh, he was asked about what Giannis saying, and Steph said, "Quote: I would say the same thing when you're facing the champions. That's part of the part of like the nature of the league. We all want to win the championship. And when you look at the team that's the last team standing, who is playing the best? I was thinking the same thing about him last year coming off their run. So you know, respect between two great players. Again, I don't think it's even a debate that those two are the best in the world. You know me, I'm rolling with Steph. A lot of people are rolling with Giannis. That's fine. But what I will say is that the guy everybody says the best player in the world." says that my guy's the best player in the world, and the greater version of Giannis being Shaquille O'Neal says Steph Curry's the best player in the world. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what more confirmation you need, but um, eh, what can I say? My team's the back-to-back—sorry, we're going to be the back-to-back -back champs. We're going to win in 2023. There's no question about it. We won the championship, and we got better. We pulled an L.A. Rams. We got better. Add to Don, I added Dante DiVincenzo— Okay, we added my man, Mac McClung, the dunk god, as people have called him from high school. Okay, we got Matt McClung in the building. Okay, Jordan Poole's only going to be better. He's going to play at an all-star level caliber, caliber this year like he did in the playoffs. Wiseman's back. Kaminga's 20 with the kind of upside that kid has. I think Moses Moody is going to have a tremendous, tremendous year. I think he's going to be bigger as far as closing games than Jonathan Kaminga is going to be. Wiggins is back. Clay's going to be better, not coming off an injury finally. And you know, I got the best player in the world. And y'all don't. Give me Wardell Stephen Curry II today over anybody. ESPN, you're telling me he's the fifth best player in the world? Miss me with that. We got a game tonight, though. Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, age-old rivalry, two NFC East foes. Giants fighting to be tied for the Eagles for first place in the NFC East. Cowboys fighting to be a game back of the Eagles in the NFC East. Big, big matchup tonight, so let's get it on. So, the Giants in this game are favored by a point, so it's that close to being a pick -em. This is a really interesting one because you have two, obviously, very limited quarterbacks. Cooper Rush for the Cowboys, Daniel Jones for the Giants. 
you have two tremendous running games. Saquon Barkley for the Giants, and then you got the tandem in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Offensive lines are limited. Weapons are limited for both teams. And for both teams, their defenses are excellent. Obviously, Dallas will clearly have the best defensive player in the field, that being Micah Parsons. Heck, the way he's playing, one can make the argument Dallas may have the two best defensive players in the field in, obviously, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs is playing very well the first two games of the year. Hasn't given up you know, any big plays. He's been smart. He hasn't gambled as much as he had, did last year. So he's played well. Here's what I look at, though. The New York Giants have been really, really good at stopping the run. They held Derrick Henry in check. They held the Carolina Panthers in check. That's kind of their strength. Dallas struggles a little bit stopping the run. We saw what Leonard Fournette did them in week one. Okay, Joe Mixon had some decent runs against them last week. So Dallas, despite some of the strength they had in that defensive line, struggles a little bit to stop the run. Here's what decides it for me, though. Limited quarterbacks, limited wideouts, great defense, great running game. It's going to come down to execution. It's going to come down to who is able to, again, execute well at the end of the game. This is going to be a close game. This is going to be sort of a, like Green Bay Tampa yesterday, sort of a, a knockout, dragout defensive battle. So who do I trust in that regard? Brian Dable or Mike McCarthy? I know he's two games in, but when they're giving you a nickname two games in, Brian Dayballs, I'm rolling with Brian Dable. Give me the New York Giants to win this game over the Dallas Cowboys by a final score of 19-17. to 17. Again, I, guess, I think it's going to be a big defensive battle. I think the Giants win this game and are the most shocking 3-0 team in a while. Giants win over the Cowboys 19-17. to 17. And with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving Up Live. We will be live this time, don't worry. At 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Carving It Up podcast YouTube channel. Like, share, comment. Again, hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to subscribe to the Grid Network and subscribe to the Grid Network on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and right here on YouTube where every Carving It Up show and clip is uploaded. So enjoy the game tonight, folks. Have a great week. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Eat it, Florida. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.